All right. Well, we're going to finish it out. I'm uh, glad to be alive. Not have to have gone to the hospital today. Amen. After last night. So thank you all for coming. Everybody should have got one of these books if you registered. This book is a devotional book that uh, we put together. John Mark C., who, uh, who works for me, is, uh, is a young man who uh, works on staff here, and uh, uh, he goes to our college. He uh, helped me put this together. Uh, this is everything as a teenager that I use to walk with God. Um, inside this book, you'll find... Uh, 52 pages of sermon notes. So every week you can take notes from your preacher and uh, or your youth pastor or both. Um, it's got a prayer list for every day of the week so you can pray every day. It's got a calendar in the back. Now, you may use your smartphone for that, but if you don't have a smartphone or if you're not real good at that, I'm still sometimes it's best to just use a pen and paper. And you can write the month in there, and you can keep track of what you do, and you can start scheduling things, okay? And you can plan things. If you don't plan to succeed, you will plan to fail, okay? So you can live by schedule. Get yourself a schedule and make it your boss, okay? So it's got a schedule in there. It's also got some hymns in there. Now, I don't have a whole lot, but it's got a few hymns. And beside the hymn, it's got the story behind that hymn. By the way, every hymn that's in your hymnal, there's a story behind the guy that wrote that hymn. He wrote it probably based on a Bible scripture or based on overcoming a difficult situation in his life where he leaned upon God and he got closer to God in his life or her life. Like, let the lower lights be burning. That's in there. As a teenager, and even still today, I can't really sing real good. My teenagers can, can, can uh, attest to that. Um, this past Sunday, we sang some songs that I actually can sing halfway decent um, and uh, will not uh, bring those up, you know, like Baby Shark and uh, uh, some of those, uh, you know, uh, classic uh, gospel uh, greats, you know. But uh, we, uh, uh, you know, I, I couldn't sing, but I'd take the hymn book. I took one from church, I took it home, and I would sing to God. I didn't, I didn't know the tunes. I, I can't read music, still can't. I didn't know the tunes, a lot of hymns. But I just sung the words in my own tune. So I put those hymns in there so you'd have a hymn. And listen, you say, well, I don't, I don't, know, what that, I don't know how that song goes, neither did I. But I just sung to God. I just sang praises to God. And this right here tells you how, how that song goes. There's also some motivational stories. There's some stories in there that'll, that'll help you. Some stories about like those missionaries that came home and they were discouraged because the president came home the same day they did and everybody was lined up to welcome the president and he had just been on a hunting trip. These missionaries had been serving their whole life. Nobody was there to welcome them. The missionary man was kind of discouraged. He told his wife, he said, can you believe this? This guy just went hunting for a week and everybody's out here to welcome him home we've been serving for over 50 years nobody's here to welcome us home he was mad at god his wife said but honey and he said no he went in his room and eventually he came out and he had a different look on his face his wife said you look different he said well god uh, sort of just put his arms around me and he just reminded me that uh we're not home yet Little stories like that, they, they just they just change me. Also in here is a Bible reading schedule. Now, your church may have their own Bible reading schedule. You do your own thing. But sometimes we give a, a teenager a Bible reading schedule that scares them to death five chapters a day because they've never read the Bible. And say, here, read five chapters a day. And they try it, and maybe they get two days in, or, or, they, uh, or they do it, but they don't get anything. They get it in, but they don't get anything out of it. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes we get our Bible reading in without getting anything out. This right here, you, uh, you have three levels of reading. You have a cadet level, a commander level, and a captain's level. Some people, if they could just read one chapter of the Bible a day, it would change their life. 
because they've never read the Bible at all. When I first started, I started small. And then you move up to two and you move up to three and then you move up to where some of you are, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 15, 25 chapters a day. But you didn't start there. And then there's some questions, you know, where you challenge them a little bit. Anyway, this will help you. This will help you, teenagers. If you have teenagers that aren't here and you want to get some of these, you can. They're only $5. It's a, it's a hundred and some page book and uh, all that stuff. in it. Let me see if I'm leaving anything out. Prayer list, hymns, Bible reading schedule, devotionals, calendar. Uh, and then, oh, it's also got anchors of life. It's got some Bible verses like how you deal with anger, assurance. Verses on the Bible. It goes A to Z. And uh, just scripture. That's how you deal with your problems, by the way. There's a school shooting in our city today. While some of our kids were here at the conference. There's a school shooting on the other side of town. I, I don't understand. Went home th- Wednesday night. There's a school shooting in Alabama. I don't understand. That's why I said what I said uh, Wednesday night. I don't understand why... why I think it's really hard for teenagers nowadays. But the answer is not in hurting one another. The answer is in the scriptures. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you about that. There's a lot of good stuff back there, a lot of good uh, materials, books, devotionals, sermon CDs, a lot of stuff. And uh, but, uh, but that's new. We'll probably do one of those each year for the conference and change it up a bit. But I uh, just wanted to make a little plug for you. Everybody should have one, but if you youth pastors want to get some for your young people, uh, you can get get those. Matthew chapter 4 and John chapter 21. Matthew chapter 4 and John Matthew chapter 4, we'll read just a few verses there, and um, then we'll pray, and then um, we'll come back and we'll read those verses in John later on, but we'll read first in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. The Bible says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Now I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read a a later in their life story account of these same men in John chapter 21. And the title of the sermon will come at the very end of the sermon. But, uh, but we're going to talk about uh, Peter and, uh, and his relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you to do this. Let me ask you to add your seat right now. Now, you've heard a lot of sermons. You've heard seven sermons. Hopefully, you lightened your ship and you've enjoyed your trip. Uh, let's wrap it up and uh, let's wrap it up strong. I want you to never forget. I, I, that, I've been to a lot of meetings in my life. There's a few where I made decisions that I never forgot. Man, I hope this would be one of those. Every year I hope that. And uh, let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. First of all, let me ask you a question. I want you to, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me ask you this question. I wonder who to say, Brother Davis, I made a decision. Maybe it was Wednesday. Maybe it was Thursday morning. Maybe it was Thursday night. Nobody's looking around but me and the Lord. And you say, I made a decision Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, Thursday night. But you made a decision. And you say, Brother Davis, I did. I've made a decision this week. I have made some decisions. You say, that's me. I have made some decisions. Would you just slip your hand up? Good. Good. 
Good. You can put your hands down. I wonder if uh, nobody's looking around. I wonder if you'd say, Brother Davis, I have not. I've not came to the altar. I, I've not moved. Uh, I just, I just, uh, I, I'm here. But, Brother Davis, I'll be just be completely honest with you. I have not made any decisions. The Lord has spoke to me. I just have not responded. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody that would just be honest about that? And say, that's me, Brother Davis, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you when I pray. A few hands. I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. Before I pray, I wonder if there'd be somebody here that say, Brother Davis, I've been to these conferences before. I know how they go. In just a few minutes, you're going to preach, and you're going to ask us to make a big decision, and we make those decisions, and I've made all those decisions before. And... But, Brother Davis, I've made those decisions before, and I've and I went back on those decisions. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You've made decisions, but you're not fulfilling those decisions you've made. Maybe you surrendered your life to Christ before, but if you were honest with yourself, your life doesn't belong to Christ. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you're, you're, you're not surrendered to Christ. He doesn't have full control of your life. He doesn't control your music. He doesn't control your, your activities. He doesn't control your mind. He doesn't control your, your dress. He doesn't control your, your, where you're going to school. He doesn't control your... your, your, your um, your thoughts, you get to pick all that stuff. But one time in your life, you did surrender to Christ. But you sort of went back on that. And be honest and say, that's me, Brother Davis. Maybe you made that decision in 10th grade, now you're in 12th grade, and, you know, missions doesn't sound so exciting anymore now that you're not in 9th grade. Now that guy from Africa is not at your church showing the video, Africa is not so exciting. And say, Brother Davis, that's me, pray for me. I'm sitting here this morning. You're talking real plain. I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Would you slip your hand up? Just be honest this morning. Hands up all over the building. I appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty. You can put your hands down. I want to be a young man here this morning and say, Brother Davis, God called me to preach. I know he called me to preach. But I, that was when I was younger I'm a senior, I'm a junior, I, I, just, I just really don't know if I want to preach. I want you to pray for me, though. I really enjoyed this week. I don't know what to do. Pray for me. Anybody like that? Would you slip your hand up? Wow. I will pray for you. I will pray for you. I wonder who would say, Brother Davis, while you're praying for me, I will pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to my heart. I will. While you're praying out loud up there, I will pray that God will speak to my heart. I'll do it. I'll do it. Who will commit to that? Will you do that for me? Who will? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, please. I pray you would speak to hearts. Lord, I can do a lot of things up here today. But Holy Spirit, if you don't do your work, it's all in vain. And God, I pray as I preach, that God, you would do something special in the hearts of these young people. I will never forget that day I stood on, on that platform because of a message where I surrendered to the call of the Holy Spirit, not to the call of a man, to the call of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Flip over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I want you to see what happens. In, March, in Matthew chapter 4, we read how Jesus calls these men and he uses two words. Now let me tell you something. The tour group didn't sing. Did y'all notice that? Matthew chapter 4, there wasn't no college tour group come out. There wasn't no t-shirts flung out of a cannon. There wasn't no fidget spinners flying. 
Y'all with me? They weren't no stooges kicking people in the baptistry. They weren't no sword fighting. Did y'all notice that? Huh? They weren't no preaching sermon. All right? It wasn't no big, long sermon. There wasn't no fancy stuff. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Two-word sermon. What was it? Who? Follow me. I'm going to tell you right now what God's will is for your life. You ready? You've probably heard that sermon a million times. Right? God's will. So we think it is. Twilight zone. That's, every time somebody says God's will, we think one of two things. Either be a preacher. Or we think it's this mystical mystery that we don't understand. And no one can really know. Let me tell you what God's will is for your life. Follow him. Period. Just follow him. You say, is it really that easy? Yeah. That easy? He said, just follow me. I'll tell you what to do. And so he tells them that. But let me tell you what happens in John chapter 21. Uh, the, uh, what has happened here is Peter has uh, deserted him. In John chapter 21, let's pick it up in verse number 1. Uh, we're going to read the Bible the fun way, uh, uh, like we did the other night. John chapter 21, verse number, uh, let's, let's start in verse number uh, 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, and Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and other, other two of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I go a fishing. He said, I quit. So it's over. He said this. He said, I was called to preach, but I think I'm going to go back to what I was doing before I was preaching. He said, I was surrendered to God, but I think I'm going to go back to being worldly. Those of you who are not called to preach, here's what he said. He said, I was separated, but I think I'm going to go back to not being separated. So, uh, well, I'm not called to preach, so I don't got to listen to this message because I ain't surrendered to preach. Some of y'all out there, you know, Brother Davis, not everybody's called to preach. Yeah, everybody is. Everybody's called to preach the gospel. So some of you out there, listen to this. Hey, uh, uh, some of you uh, take the message like this. Uh, Peter was separated, and now he's not separated. And so he says, uh, uh, you know what? Man, I used to wear just skirts, but now I'm going to go back to wearing pants. Swallow real hard. It'll go down. He said, man, I used to wear ties to church. Now I'm just going to go back to just wearing jerseys. That's what I used to wear. I told the YMPs in the breakfast, all that other. He said, man, I used to, I used to uh, 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 come to church and uh, I used to uh, have uh, long hair. Now I'm going to go back to cut my hair all shorn and shaved, shaving like a, uh, 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 if I was a girl. Uh, man, I used to have short hair as a boy. Now I'm going to go back to growing my hair out long. Y'all with me? He said, I'm going to change. I'm going to go back to the way that I used to be. I go fishing. Now, there's nothing wrong with fishing, okay? I wish there was because I can't, I'm not good at it. Because I could preach against it. But there's nothing wrong with fishing. However, there is something wrong with fishing if God has something else for you to do. And in this case, Peter wasn't supposed to be fishing. They say unto him, we go also with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and that night they caught how much? Got news for you. If you're supposed to be doing something else, and you go, if you're supposed to be preaching, and you go fishing, you'll never be successful. Listen up. If you're supposed to be missionary, and you try to be a nurse, you'll never be successful. Your marriage won't be successful. I'm just going to tell you right now. How much fish did they catch? Because it's out of the will of God. I deal with it every single day, whether in my family or out of my family or in our church or out of our church. 
people that were that were in the will of God, but now they're out of the will of God. And they wonder, why is all this happening to me? I was serving God. Yeah, you were serving God, but now you're not serving God. And the problem is not God. The problem is you. They caught nothing. Verse 5. Watch Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. Look at verse 5. Then Jesus said unto them, Children! Jesus like preacher. Hey, Davis! How many fish you got? Hey, Seaburr! How many fish you catch? I'm in the same boat as he is. He knows how many fish I got. <laughs> Jesus looks at the disciples and says, Children! Have you any meat? Now, he, Jesus is God. He knows how much fish they got. How much fish they got. He says, hey, How's life out of the will of God? Hey. Hey, college student. Let me give you a life lesson here. Not in the sermon. Don't judge a backslidden teenager or college student by their Instagram and Facebook. No one snaps selfies of sorrow. Jot that quote down. No one snapchats when they cry themselves to sleep. No one snapchats after they go to the bar and puke their guts up. I got to keep going. The sermon's really short. It's only one point. The introduction's just really long. Verse number six. And he said unto them, Casting that on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. He said, Hey, y'all want me to show you how to fish? By the way, what was Jesus' profession? What was Jesus' vocation? Yeah. They look at him and they go. But remember now, earlier he, he already did this. So watch this. They cast therefore. They didn't even ask this time. They said. And now, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, this is John. He says, hey, it's Jesus. Remember uh, over in Matthew 14 when they didn't know it was Jesus, they thought it was a spirit? This time there's no question. John goes, hey, it's Jesus. I know it's Jesus. They realize it's Jesus. Now watch this. Watch this now. Oh, this is really good. And it's about to get good. It's about to get gooder. It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, watch this now. He girded his fisher's coat unto him. Parentheses. What's it say in parentheses? For he was naked. Y'all see that? Naked for you Yankees. Now. Bible question for you. You ready? Definition of nakedness. Uncovered, right? Now, if he was fishing, naked. (laughs) Stay with me and let's be adults. Let me teach you something. He wasn't fishing naked according to the world. He was fishing naked according to the Bible. Which probably meant he wasn't wearing a shirt. 
says he grabbed his fisher's coat, right? Because he was naked. Right? Uncovered. His torso was probably uncovered if he was gathering his coat. Yes or no? He was uncovered up here. Right? Maybe young men shouldn't run around with shirts off. Right? Maybe it was not pleasing to Jesus. It wasn't in Peter's eyes. In fact, it wasn't so much that he jumped in the water to cover himself, to hide himself. Is that what the Bible says? It says that he jumped in the water because he was uncovered and he didn't want Jesus to see him. Yes or no, is that what the Bible says? I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what Peter did. Because he was uncovered and didn't want Jesus to see him uncovered, he jumped in the water. Too many times we let the world define what Bible words mean. Nakedness is still the same. And the first thing that changes when you get out of the will of God is our definition of our dress. And we don't preach it anymore. We're afraid. Talked about it this morning at breakfast. We're afraid of offending young people. We're afraid of offending parents. We're afraid of offending uh, um, everybody. But let me tell you something. If you just preach preach it from the book and show them from the book, let them get mad at God and let them take it up with Jesus. The Bible still says that above your knee and your torso, you should not uncover. Is everybody with me? I was taught that when I was a teenager. I had a problem with it. When I was a kid, listen, my mom and dad, uh, my dad's here this morning to hear me preach. I'm glad he's here. My mom and dad divorced before I was born. I was raised by my mom, single mom. Uh, uh, with uh, I had two sisters, and uh, and my mom was lost. My dad got saved, and I would go to his house sometimes. But my mom was lost, and let me tell you something. We had no dress standards at our house. So when I heard this, I had to ask, show me. Show me. I'll never forget going in. My father-in-law's been here this week. I'd go in my father-in-law's house, and I'd say, show me. Show me. Some of you young people that have trouble with dress standards, go to your pastor, go to your youth pastor respectfully, and say, sir, can you show me from the Bible? And let them teach you from the Bible why we believe what we believe. Get Dr. Jorgensen's book back there, and there's a lot of that in there. But I'm telling you, that's what we believe. And by the way, past the knee is what we believe. Hey, listen to me. Past the knee is what we believe. Now, some of you that are here and you've never heard that, I remember being in that thing, and I was like this. These people are nuts. These people are crazy. If this is the first time you've ever heard this, let me tell you something. It's okay. We're not crazy. You will make it out. We're not drinking Kool-Aid later. Okay? If you're on the winning team, you can eat the ice cream. Okay? We're not going to the, to the moon or anything. Everything's okay. All right? I remember the first time I heard it, and I was like, what's going on here? Okay? It was a hacking preacher. You understood the first three words and the last three words. And he wore a white shirt and a red tie, and his face turned as red as his red uh, his face turned as red as his red tie. I remember those days. Let me tell you something. Just get it from the Bible. Get what you believe from the Bible. But it, but when we choose to leave the will of God, let me tell you what the first thing that changes is how we dress. Peter goes fishing. He takes off his coat, his his garment that in his mind was a he was ashamed to be around Jesus dressed that way. Yes or no? You and I, when we get away from God, we get out of the will of God. That's the first thing that changes. Now, quickly, let's keep going. In verses 9 through 14, Jesus fries up some fish. Now, let me tell you what he says. He's frying up his fish. He says, hey, boys, bring your fish. Oh, never mind. (laughs) 
You guys ain't got no fish. We'll use my fish. Come on in. Let's eat. And Jesus feeds them his fish. Now go to verse 15. We got to hurry. Verse 15. Verse 15. John 21, 15. Verse 15. So when they had dined, so he feeds them. By the way, Jesus loves them even though they're out of the will of God. Young people, listen to me. Your youth pastor knows where you are. Hey, this side. Mo, look at me. Your youth pastor knows where you are. He knows where you are spiritually. You can dress it up. You can make it look real good. You can talk it up and yes, sir, it and yes, ma'am, it all you want. He knows. And it breaks his heart. But he knows. And he still feeds you. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith unto, he saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said, he said, Come on, Jesus, you asked me the same question three times. I've answered it twice. Peter was that kind of man, you know. Peter answered him, and he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest I love thee. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Verse 18. This, this why don't you notice. I'm sorry. Verse 17. It just seemed like after Jesus asked him the, the three questions, he says, Listen, do you see all these fish, Peter? Do you love me more than you love all this? Because back in Matthew 4, I asked you to follow me. You followed me. Then when everything went down at the cross, you jetted. You was out. And I just got to know all these boats, all these fish. Do you love me more than this? It's almost as if Peter had a backup plan the whole time. Like Peter was like, I'm with you, Jesus. Let me check where the fish are right now. Just in case Judas turns today, the fish are in Galilee. That's 30 miles this way. Okay. All right. Almost like he was ready to go at any time. It's almost like, man, I'm a good preacher, but I've always wanted to be a fisherman. I love Jesus and everything, but there's good money in fishermen. I mean, I'm not saying that, that Peter was bad to go fishing every now and then, but Peter was bad to want to be a fisherman instead of what God wanted him to be. I think we do our kids a major disservice when we use this question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Tell you something right now. God don't care what you want to be when you grow up. God didn't make you to be what you want to be when you grow up. God made you to be what he wants you to be when you grow up. Now that's not to say God can't give you the desires of your heart. I'll tell you in just a few minutes, I want to be a rapper. Don't laugh, it's not funny. I was good. <laughs> I want to be a rapper and I want to go on world tours and singing singing concerts and now you know what I get to do? I get to go on tour every summer. Yeah. Now I don't get to sing. But I get to preach. Another group gets to sing, but 
I get to preach. I mean, it's amazing. God can give you the desires of your heart, but let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you want to be when you grow up. We ought to ask kids, what do you think God wants you to do when you grow up? And so, when he could, I think Peter would talk about fishing. I think Peter would say to Jesus, hey, listen, uh, what about Galilee? You want to go to Galilee today? Jesus like, no, we need to go to Capernaum. Hey, they got a good lake in Capernaum, too. Uh, we, we think we go down there and feed them people? I heard they got some sick people down there at the lake. Uh, Gennesaret, you want to go to Gennesaret? How about Gennesaret today? I really think that that was his backup. I think when he could, that's what he wanted to do. Because as soon as Jesus got grabbed, I go fishing. As soon as he smoked that guy in the ear, he said, I don't know him. I'm going fishing. As soon as he got tough and lonely and hard and difficult and hurt and upset, as soon as he got back from camp and he didn't have the, the, the pressure of the camp director and the schedule and the preaching and the singing and the right music and the right friends and the right preaching and, and, the, and the right youth pastor and all that going on, as soon as it got difficult, Peter was out. As soon as he hit a bump in the road, when I got called to preach, my plan, I got called to preach when I was 17, I told you guys that. My plan was this. I was already accepted to go to the University of Kentucky. Full ride. Tuition, room and board. I was going to be an engineer. Why? Because I love engineering? No. Because I like money. Very few people be an engineer because they like engineering. First, I want to be the president. Why? Because I love America? No. Because I like money and power. <laughs> then I realized that being the president only paid $250,000 a year. I think it's like four hundred dollars now. Back then, it was two hundred fifty. I said, you know what? Forget it. That's too much work and responsibility for that little bit of money. <laughs> so then I said, I'm going to be a dentist. Ain't nobody bees a dentist because they love teeth. <laughs> you know why people be dentists? Because they love money. When that man sticks his hand in your mouth, it's not because he loves doing that. All right? That is gross. And if you think about it, the little girls that come in and do all the work and get paid a lot less, yeah, the guy comes in for like two minutes. And makes all the money. I wanted to be him. You know why? Money. And then I realized that's a lot of school. I ain't going to be no dentist. So then I started liking chemistry. And I said, I'm going to be an engineer. I started taking chemistry. And and I realized they give out a lot of money. They give out a lot of free schooling. And so I had a full ride. And and I got called to preach. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to still keep my my full ride. And I got got called to preach. And I said, well, I'm just going to preach on the weekends. Now, listen, if you're here and you're a lay pastor, I'm, I'm not at all belittling that. My, my father-in-law is my hero. And he worked in a mine supply place. And my pastor worked in the coal mine six days a week and pastored our church. So I'm not at all belittling that. But my plan was my plan, not God's plan. You understand what I mean by that? And I said, oh, I got my plan. I'm going to be an engineer, and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then the church don't have to pay me. I'm going to do it as a favor to God. And I'll be an engineer and make a lot of money, and then I'll preach as a hobby. And you know what would have happened when I went to college? I would have been just like Peter. As soon as I had something come up on a Sunday, I'd have missed church. And then I'd have got backslidden, and I got away from God. Same thing's going to happen to some of y'all when you go to secular university. I'm just going to throw it out there, man. I'm just going to throw it out of the boat. Well, I'm from Harlan, Kentucky. It's where Kentucky meets Tennessee and Virginia, and tour groups don't go there. From any church. They're afraid. 
but we had an old-time preacher from Virginia that came there. He was an old man, and we took him out to Wendy's. That's the really nice restaurant there. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. That, that's, that's a nice place. And uh, we went to Wendy's, and we sat down to eat, and uh, he just looked at it across from me. He said, you called the preach, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, uh, have you prayed about Bible college? I said, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> and I lied just like y'all been lying back there at that table. When Brother Fisher been asking you, hey, have you prayed about Bible college? And you've been saying, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, I sure have. And listen, he, it's like he just stuck a dagger in my heart. I hadn't prayed at all about Bible college. I didn't even know what Bible college was. I didn't know who Brother Fugit was. I started praying about Bible college. I found out there's about three that, that were ones that I would consider. Here's what I did. No joke. I filled out three cards. Sent them in. Now, that's dangerous. You all know that, right? You get like all kinds of paraphernalia. <laughs> Only one of them called me. They probably thought, man, who's this hick from Kentucky? We don't want this kid. Commonwealth was the only one who called me. I knew John C., who was here at the time, and uh, he uh, he had me come and visit the college. I came and visited the college. I still didn't know who Brother Fugit was. Never heard of him. Came here. He had this baseball rally. He had a rally at a baseball stadium here in the town, like 6,000 people at the stadium that summer. Was in the newspaper like like 50 weeks in, the, in a row, like almost a year in a row. And then I started hearing about him. He preached on everything. You name it, he preached on it at the baseball stadium with all those people there. Well, I started reading about it in the newspaper. And then I started telling people at my public school that I was going to, I was a, uh, or uh, the college I was going to, the public college I was going to, I was like, hey, this is the Bible college I'm going to. They was like, what? I was like, yeah. I said, this is the kind of preacher I want to be. He was like, I was like, yeah. Me and my dad came up, we visited, this is where I came to college. Now listen, though, everybody told me I was crazy. They said, you mean to tell me you're taking a four-year scholarship to the University of Kentucky and throwing it away? I said, yeah. Because God's will is to follow him. Hey, I did. My mom, you me tell you what my mom said. She was lost. She said, what are you going to do if the preaching thing don't work out? I said, Mom, I really don't know. I don't really have another backup plan. Let me ask you, what's your backup plan? If this whole serving God and being a Christian young person doesn't work out, what are you going to do? Some of you got one. If this whole Christian school, homeschool, uh, uh, being a good Christian young person thing don't work out, some of you got a backup plan. You've seen your brothers and sisters have one, and you're going to copy theirs. You've seen them. They had one all through, and they just kept it on the back burner, kept it on the back burner. As soon as they graduated, boom! And parents are like, man, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. They, they had a backup plan. They were saving up that inheritance like the prodigal man, and as soon as they could, they hopped the trail, jumped, or they hopped the rail, jumped the trail, and they was gone, man. If this independent Baptist thing don't work out, you're going to go down to the community church and rock it out with long-haired hippies, and some of you already got an exit strategy for your standards. Your skirts are already cut in half. Already decided you don't want to do this anymore. You're just waiting to figure out how to tell your parents. Trying to figure out an escape route. And you think to yourself, well, at least I'm I'm going to be making money. At least I'll be a good mom. 
At least I'll be a good dad. At least I'll be a good uh, member of society. Really, is that how we've lowered our standard now? What about God? I think He's most important, right? Last time I checked. You might have a boy or a girl waiting on you back home, and boy, they're most important. They're above God and everybody. Might have a secular school you got your eye on, and, and it doesn't matter what anybody says or does. There might be some things you don't get to do. And you're like that prodigal man, uh, uh, the other prodigal, the older brother. You don't get to go to concerts, or you don't get to drink, or you don't get to do drugs. You don't get to watch movies or listen to music. But, but man, you you want to do it so bad. I think Peter just he had a backup plan the whole. John chapter 21, look at verse 18. Jesus says to Peter, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. In that first part of the verse, he says, listen, Peter, when you were young, you decided yourself and you chose yourself and, and you, you decided yourself and, and, and you got to make your own decisions and you sort of just, uh, you had a little bit of a backup plan in Matthew 4. You said, I, I said, follow me. You chose and, and then, uh, uh, over, uh, after I got, uh, taken, you decided, oh, I'm going fishing. He said, but now let me tell you what's going to happen, Peter. He said, right now you're going to have to pick. Look at the second part of the verse. He says, But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Verse 19. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. He was telling Peter, he said, Listen, Peter. He said, It's about time you just go ahead and say, From here on out till I die, there is no backup plan. And then notice what Jesus does here. He takes him back to the original will of God for his life. Ready? And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, what? He says, hey, Peter, you know what the will of God for your life still is? Listen, senior. Hey, senior that went to camp when you was in ninth grade and surrendered your life to God. You know what the will of God still is for your life? Whatever it was when you was in 10th grade. And you may have messed up and you may have made some stupid mistakes. But let me tell you something. God's will for your life is still for you to follow Him. And whatever God called you, young man, whatever God called you to do, when He called you to do it, He still wants you to do it. You follow Him. That's what He told him. He said, follow me. God's will is still God's will for your life, and you haven't disqualified yourself from the ministry yet, young person. Let me, let me er, from anything yet, young person. And let me tell you something: God still wants to use you. Peter goes on in Acts to preach Pentecost and to tear it up for Jesus. I don't know God's specific will for your life, but I know He wants you to follow it. He wants you to walk with Him and to know Him, like preacher was talking about earlier. And He wants you to do His will for your life. Now, some of you, he wants to use you as a preacher, a missionary. He wants to use everybody as a soul winner. He wants to use you on a bus route. He wants to use you uh, uh, to drive a bus. Some of you, he wants you to be a youth pastor. Some of you, he wants you to be an evangelist. Some of you, he wants to use you. Some of you specific, but let me tell you something. He wants to use all of us to follow him and to build his kingdom, not here on earth, but in heaven to win people to Christ and to make heaven wonderful and filled with lost souls that otherwise would be in hell. You'll never, you will never fulfill God's will with a plan B on your heart. In 1519, Spanish conquistador Hernando Cortez headed to Veracruz to capture the island and retrieve the Aztec treasure. It was with a few hundred Spaniards that he would take on the thousands of Aztecs. Along the long trip from Spain to current Mexico, many of his conquistadors died. The rest arrived tired and discouraged and longed to retreat. 
when they closed in on the island, it was seen that they were so outnumbered, the people grew even more restless. Cortez searched for a way to try to motivate his troops. He led them from their boats out to the shore and began to try to give a pep talk to the men he would count on to defeat the Aztec army. Behind him, as he spake, his men turned to see their boats aflamed on fire. Their only way home was now gone. Cortez then led the crew, the, the, the soldiers into Veracruz, taking the city from the otherwise unconquerable Aztecs. A written order was found where Cortez had, had written, burn the boats on a piece of paper. So no one could turn back. I don't know what is uh, in your life that may need to be burned. One time, I took a group of teenagers to a camp and we came back and we burned a bunch of stuff that ain't going to fall is it if it does we're in trouble And let me tell you something. You need to burn your boats. Some of you got a lifeboat, and every time you come back from a conference, let me tell you what you do. You come back, and you get right back in that lifeboat. You get right back in that lifeboat. You say, oh, I'm going to get rid of my music. And you know what you do? You pull the stash back out. You say, hey, I'm not going to wear pants anymore. And you know what you do? You pull the stash back out as soon as you get home. You know what you need to do? You need to burn the boats. Burn the boats. Burn the boats. Just get rid of all the escape routes. All the excuses. Why you can't do it. And maybe, just maybe, God will use you to do the impossible. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.